Kia ora koutou, saints of Central Vineyard. Welcome to our first Sunday epistle of 2022. Um, I hope you've had, and maybe even still are having, a great summer Sabbath break full of delighting in God, friends, family, enjoying rest and adventure. I'm not sure how to say how it feels to be in a new year. You know, maybe there's a sense of relief that last year is over. Maybe a bit of optimism that the new year will bring some new results. I think we're all probably aware that just because we are in a new set of 365 days, it doesn't mean that we've magically flicked some switch, ceasing all that last year was and powering it down to a stop. No, what was in motion is still in motion. What we lived with comes with us. What we experience, both the good things of God and the blessings of his kingdom and the hard things of our continued global suffering in a pandemic, the broken parts of our lives, our communities, the cultures, societies and nations around us, all of it was exposed painfully in the pressure of these last couple of years. And all of that is actually still with us. You know, if I could sum up 2021, pastorally and prophetically, I would say it was a year of disorder. The normal never really came back, did it? It felt like every plan just kept getting messed with and every conversation point would sort of become a fight. Most people finished the year having experienced languishing. People became exhausted of COVID chat and the 1pm briefings and more anxious about the future. And the nicest people were becoming angry people at the people who saw things the other way to them. You know, there was protests and there was demonstrations in our parks. Online, there was harassment, there was arguing on comment threads. You know, people were preparing for awkward Christmas meals with family members with opposing views on vaccinations or their views on mandates. Add to all of that, you know, we suffered tragedies. There was a terrorist attack in New Lynn and an uptick of gun violence across our city. Our frontline workers were stretched and exhausted. And as we finish the year, whilst also many good things has still happened, it just seemed like there was a big mess. Now, as I often do, near the end of the year, I was looking through my prayer journals and my diaries, and in doing so, I kept noticing one common theme, lament. A lot of my prayer life of 2021 was spent expressing to God just how broken everything was, my, my confusion in so much of it, and, and how disordered my life had become. Now, now, a little side note here. Part of this might have been because one of my prayer practices that I was doing for 2021. You see, I spent the year praying the Psalms. So this meant on Monday, at a set time, I would open to a Psalm and I would slowly read it out loud as a prayer platform. And then, on a set time every day for the rest of the week, I would slowly revisit it over and over. The psalm became my prayer, a time of being with Jesus, with words that were honest and were vulnerable. It gave me faithful language for expressing that indeed things were not as they should be and words of hope for living within it. It helped me to become a person who was seeking the one who would bring peace and order to the chaos. Now, now, I don't want it to sound like all I did last year was wallow in lament either. I didn't. I had lots of hopeful and powerful moments with God too. But 
One of the most important spaces that I learned to process and to look properly at the reality of life last year for me was this intentional space of lament. It was a practice which carried me well through a tumultuous time. You know, I wonder if we all need to keep learning more about how to lament with God. Lament isn't only in the Psalms. It actually has its own book too, Lamentations. Uh, five acrostic poems of honest expression written perhaps by Jeremiah, letting out how things are not as they should be. Now the Bible Project, they comment on Lamentations like this. Lamentations isn't a feel-good book. Actually, it's a total downer. It's a collection of five lament or funeral poems, poems of sorrow and mourning that give voice to the grief of God's people. And simply, it's a book giving voice to the disorder of life at its worst. And if you read it at about the midpoint of the book in chapter 3 verse 40, you're going to find this verse. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Now that's in the message paraphrase. So let's just one more time in the New Living Translation. Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. So in the middle of full-blown lament, the writer here poses a beautiful call. Hang on everyone. Amongst all the disorder, let's stop. Let's look. Let's examine. Let's consider. Let's repent and ask, have we got our priorities all in the right order? Jesus was asked what the highest commandment was. His answer was the Shema, those well-known prayer words of the Hebrew people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor the same. Now, in the teachings and the example of Jesus, the highest priority was to love God and to love others. And he also said, seek first the kingdom of God. Again, priorities of order. Seek the kingdom of God before everything else. Why? Because in this posture of life, we will then experience life lived in the best way. Not in further disorder but in the reordered way of Jesus. It will be good for us. It will be good for others. It will be a life tasting the shalom, the peace of God, and living that into reality. And that's what those who apprenticed with Jesus, his disciples, that's what they experienced as their on-the-job learning experience with him. As John Mark Comer says, discipleship is to become like Jesus if Jesus were you. And to do this, there is a reorganizing of our priorities, our desires, and ultimately who we end up becoming that takes place. Dallas Willard, he writes this, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in his or her life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. So as we begin a year, I do have a question to ask. What examining, or to use Willard's word, revising, do you need to do?
You know, if the disorder isn't stopping anytime soon, if the pandemic keeps dragging on a little more, and the pressures keep coming, and the voices of opinion keep growing more angrier and louder, and the plans keep unraveling, and if we spend another year with less church gatherings than more, then how are we seeking to reprieve from this? How are you dealing with the disorder of the world and walking in the alternative, counter-reality way of the way of Jesus? The writer of Lamentations 3 verse 40 invites us with wisdom, take a good look at your life. Organize it under God. In other words, come to know what your life is really like. Get the priorities in the right order. Get the right things in place. Today, I just want to share a brief reflection on that first part, examining. And next week, Alicia will be sharing on the second part, priority. So in our culture today, we aren't very good at examining. We're probably more used to quick glimpses, half looks, maybe not even looking at all. But to examine, to examine is to look intentionally. It's to properly study. It's not a quick glance, but a lingering observation. To examine means we stop looking at some other things to look at the thing of our intention. It's a held gaze. It's a good look. Now, being the new year, a lot of us might have done some of this, some self-reflection. We may have considered our goals, what we did or didn't achieve over the last year. We may have noticed that our post-lockdown weight is not as trim as we would have liked, or our spending was a bit out of control, or that our job didn't satisfy us. And so we set some new goals. Join the F45 class, clear the credit card, change jobs. Now those are all fine things. Setting new goals is always a helpful thing to do. But, but I want to ask you to consider something a little deeper here. Who are you becoming? How do you answer that? Well, you ask a few other questions like, what are the things that I prioritize every day? What are the desires that I carry in my heart? What and who are the object of my affection? And where am I spending my time and my money? What is the trajectory of all of those things? And what kind of life are you living from the accumulation of all of those everyday reoccurring things? And because a disciple is seeking to imitate Jesus, all of that then gets measured against him and his way. So, so maybe another way to ask that examine question is, how is my life becoming like Jesus if he were me? And this question raises a whole other set of questions. Do I actually know what that looks like? And do I know Jesus' vision for my life? Am I familiar with his way? How do I get to know it? Well, the good news is, yes, you can come to know it. But it comes back to the very heart of examine. Are you looking in the right spot? And how is your attention? Now, from my own experience, I want to offer that a quick glance now and then at Jesus and his way is not going to be much help. We need to become people of a longer gaze. As David wrote in Psalm 16 verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. So 
How might we examine our lives and stretch our gaze a bit longer? Well, this brings me to a practice for you, a practical experiment, or whatever you might want to refer to it as. I want to invite you to one week of examining prayer with Jesus, to ask him about the state of things in you. And I'm asking you to do this one, not because of a theory that I have, but because it has worked. I have lived this one out myself. It has been fruitful, and I think you'll find it beneficial too. It's quite simple. We're gonna use a psalm for this, and all you'll need to do is make a set time every day, the same time preferably, and you'll need about seven minutes to do it properly each time. So here's what to do. Be quiet. Be undistracted for one minute. Sit silently. Breathe in, breathe out. And whisper a simple prayer phrase, a few things like this. Um, God, I come to you. Breathe in, breathe out. God, I come to you. Breathe in, breathe out. Or maybe, Jesus, I am here. Jesus, I am here. Maybe come Holy Spirit. Whatever you need to use, just use a simple line. And as distracting thoughts come, just accept you're a distracted human and then say that little prayer phrase again. And then after about a minute or two, when you are ready, read Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a psalm all about asking God to examine us. Read it aloud, read it slowly, and read it prayerfully. And let it be dialogue between your soul and Jesus. Now, if the whole psalm seems too big, maybe your first click here is to just do the last two verses. Start where you can manage. And after you've read the psalm aloud, all those two verses at the end, spend some time waiting in the presence of God, in quiet dialogue with the Spirit, allowing the combination of what you have just prayed and what you have received reveal to you what needs to be examined and what needs to be considered. And at the end, after a few minutes, note what you've noticed. Maybe finish by praying a simple prayer of gratitude for God who has said these things to you as you've communed with Him. And then, on Tuesday, do it again. Same psalm, same space, same time. And do it each day until Sunday. Do it seven times in total. Here's what I predict might happen. The first couple of times, it's kind of probably be a little bit clunky. You might get hung up on a few phrases in the psalm. You, you might not hear much in your soul. You might even think, this is not working. You might be self-conscious as you ask God to search you. But here's what I think could be going on by the middle of the week. You'll start to actually be more comfortable. You'll embrace the work of examining. You'll be past that shallow starting point and you'll be more familiar and you'll be more open. It will become easier. And by the end of the week, I'm willing to bet that you might even find that you have half memorized the psalm. There'll be an internal conversation from it bouncing around in your mind during the day as you bump into disordered moments in your life. There'll be truths starting to speak into your chaos. There'll be vulnerability between you and Jesus. There'll be the start of healing 
and restoration. Give it a try. Start here with this examining prayer. Take a good look at your life in prayer with Jesus and honestly allowing this searching that the psalm speaks of to take place. Let the work of God begin its work lovingly and graciously in you bit by bit. Take notes. Write down the one or two things that God is saying to you. Let them be written as new truths into your heart and into your mind. And one last click for you to try. One last thing. Find a good friend or a spiritual mentor to meet with and to talk about what you are discovering. Don't go alone in this journey. Rage Against the Machine saying, Know your enemy. Uh, Sun Tzu in The Art of War wrote, Know thy enemy, know yourself, and in a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. I heard it said once, I forget who actually said this. They said, to find a solution, well, first we must locate the problem. And there is great benefit and great power in becoming a person who will stop and examine properly. It's not a pointless endeavor. Honestly, examining is a first and important step in any undertaking. So, what has stopped you, or is stalling you, or will rob you from becoming more like Jesus if he were you this year? You know, that's a big question. But big questions can give us the big answers. And so Central Vineyard, let us become good at honestly examining our lives and enfolding them into the work of a God who is merciful and loving. Becoming comfortable having the things in us that are problems brought to the light that we may experience the work of Jesus to bring us his solutions. You know, we have nothing to fear, nothing to hide. We have a good shepherd who will lead us gently to the things that are good for us. And in his leading, we might find that we are too attached to our phones and our devices, or we may need to park social media for the year, or we may need to set a day to Sabbath and rest from our work, or maybe you'll find a wrong attitude that we've been carrying towards another person or a people group. We might find that we need to see a counselor to do the work of therapy, or to receive healing prayer for a wounded soul. We might find that we need to stop isolating ourselves and lone wolfing and properly embrace life in Christian community with those around us. We might discover that we need to spend a lot more time listening to the culture than we are listening to Jesus. And we need to tune out our discernment more for his voice than the cultural slogans and the current barrage that we are undertaking at the moment. You know, I'm not sure what is ahead for you as you examine and what you discover, but I do know this. We all have the work of discipleship ahead. A transformation into Christ by His Spirit, into people who are, this year, could we be these people? Loving rather than hostile. Joyful rather than despondent. Peaceable rather than angry. Patient rather than reactive. Kind rather than mean. Good rather than sinister. Faithful rather than disloyal, gentle rather than hostile, self-controlled rather than unreliable. And so, may we examine and see what Christ wants us to reorder in us this year.